I'm pumped to have you out here. So it's thanks neat, for coming. neat to be down here, man. Thanks for having me. You spent a lot of time in California growing up, right? But yeah, have you been here to Barrel House? Never. Past Robles? Never been down here before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think we've been anywhere near. Maybe the closest we've been to here is like Morro Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty close. Back in February, siren. we played the siren. Yeah. I'll be heading out there in October for uh, Jesse Daniel. You know him? I love Jesse, man. Good buddy of mine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Him and I are from the same hometown. Okay. Same high school even. Nice. Yeah. He's cool. He's a real neat guy, man. I, I love Jesse and I love his music for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You guys just connect via music? Yeah. When, when did I when did I meet Jesse the first time? Did, oh, he came to watch us at Green Hall. That's what it was. I, we had been like kind of buddies over social media for, for a little bit, and then uh, he came down to hang out when we played Green Hall in December with Randall King. So, Yeah, he saw it. was neat. As are you. Oh, thanks, man. Jake Jacobs. Most of the time. Depends <laughs> on who you ask. Well, if you ask me, I wanted to get you on the VanCast because it's so solid. Awesome. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks for joining today. I'm pumped to have you. When I saw uh, who – I just check out who's coming through Barrel House. Sometimes I love this venue. And um, – saw Josh Abbott band and then I, I saw you and I'm like, I got to check this guy out. Right on. And I was like, yeah, I got to reach out. Well, Here we are. Yeah, we appreciate it. And I yeah. definitely, uh, I definitely like to, to do cool stuff like this, especially in cool, cool little van places like this. This is badass. I've heard you on podcasts before. Any in a van that you've done yet? I don't think so. Fun. I think this is the first <laughs> one we've done in a van. I think I've probably only done five or six podcasts before. Okay. Just in general, but. Cool. Yeah. Well, the idea behind the van cast is that I really like talking to people who, you know, chase passions, turn their passion into a career. Um, you are somebody who's done more than just country music with your life as well. Yeah. And so it's like, I wanted to talk to you to get that perspective on, you know, how you switch gears from doing one thing to the next, how you really channel your focus in going all into something, because definitely sounds like from the interviews I've listened to, you're an all in kind of guy for sure. That's when you're that's doing it. anything. Yeah, that's, I'm. I don't do anything kind of half-assed. That's just not how my parents raised me to do things. And, I mean, I, I take that into all aspects of my life. Yeah. And, but it's – music was always kind of my my getaway, my stress reliever. Because uh, like you noted on a second ago, I was uh, – prior to this, I was on Team USA for uh, trampoline gymnastics. And uh, that was that was a trip. Especially, I started at five years old and or four years old, and did it all the way till I was seventeen. And so, it, it's crazy to think that I'm almost ten years retired at this point. This wow. is year number nine. If, uh, I've, you know, I've almost been doing it, or been not doing it longer than I did it. Okay, so that's a whole thing I definitely want to get into. Oh yeah, that's next level. Uh, but going back just a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about you know where you're from, where you grew up, and then how you got into that or the music first, or really just a little yeah. background for for the folks of sure. your story? Yeah, so I was born in Reno, um, Nevada, and I grew up in a in a really small uh, railroad log and ranching town in Northern California called Portola, um, middle of Plumas County, and my dad was uh, a high school teacher and, and and a football coach and my mom ran a daycare backslash gymnastics gym and so i you know was running around in there since i could walk and even before then so that's really how i got into that side of things and uh, my dad sang in a country band when i was a kid and used to bring me up on stage to do neon moon with him and his boys and so that's kind of kind of how that started, and then it took a, a long, long, long lapse uh, while I chased this uh, 
this trampoline dream and I got to I got to see some pretty cool things you know before I was I guess old enough to appreciate them I definitely like to go back to some of the places that we we saw when I was a kid and 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 enjoy them as an adult so uh when I saw that you're from we're raised up in Northern California I was trying to find the town I couldn't couldn't find it but because uh, I'm from the Santa Cruz Mountains, okay, which I don't know, it's probably a bit of ways. Yeah, I think it's are. probably six out seven hours, maybe. Yeah. I mean, are you familiar with the Dixie Fire that burned a couple years oh, ago? Oh yeah. So that was Plumas County. Okay. So that it took out Greenville, uh, which was actually one of the places my dad used to run around in high school with. Mm. My cousins used to live in there, and it's kind of in between Chico and Reno, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Man. Closer to Reno than Chico because you got the whole Highway 70, Feather River Canyon in between Chico and then Quincy. Mm-hmm. I went to college there. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I grew up running around in Plumas County and then we moved to uh, moved to Rockland when I was a kid. My dad got laid off and uh, my mom went and opened a, a much larger gym down there and uh, they were had a had a pretty pretty solid gymnastics program for shoot seven years maybe and then we moved again uh, out to indiana because so my mom took a job uh with the the head office for usa gymnastics and she was the like the basically the head honcho for team usa trampoline so moved out there and i moved out at i think 15 and moved in with a host family in alabama to start training with a new coach and did that for three years and then retired and we moved back to portola and i finished out high school there retired before high school is even over. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, it just burned out a little bit yeah. and you know, I I never really got a quote unquote normal childhood and I wanted to see what, you know, high school was about and play high school sports and so I played football and basketball and baseball and I think that was probably the only school that I could have played football at. Okay. Because uh <laughs> I mean, even now, I'm not a big dude, man. I, you know, I'm like five nine, hundred and fifty pounds on a good day, and back then I was maybe like five three, five four, five five, maybe a hundred pounds, mm-hmm. hundred ten soaking wet, you know. Yeah. But, but I, I really enjoyed, you know, being back home and and around with my grandparents, and uh, so we grew up living next door to my grandma, my grandpa, my dad's folks, so I'm really close with them. It was really cool to get to to get to finish out you know where it all started essentially that's awesome so the involvement of your mom with gymnastics and stuff is that kind of how you uh i mean what came first do you recognize you were pretty good at this off the bat or was it something you had to work at and chase a dream more um a little bit of both it was one of those things that i was just naturally good at and i i think i was just running around and being a wild man and my mom put that energy and you know craziness into something that was useful for it Mm. and uh everything with that was you know age groups and levels so from the time i was five i think i won my first national championship and but it was i mean you know it's it's like like watching little kids go and kick a soccer ball in a circle kind of thing it wasn't too much different i mean you did basically just you know, you're jumping and then you go to your stomach and then you jump and go to your butt and you jump and go to your back. And it's, it wasn't anything crazy until you got to be seven, eight, nine years old. I, I started doing double flips at seven, I think, wow. and right. uh, took a bad spill and, and broke my elbow. And uh, that was not very fun. But, you know, there wasn't too many seven and eight year olds doing 
double flips anywhere in the country. So I always had kind of an advantage and I was pretty successful. And then everybody kind of caught up and, uh, I think I won my last one when I was 10 or 11. And then after that, I moved into a, uh, bigger division and a higher level and ended up going up against people that were like three times my age at international competitions. Wow. Um, but I stayed pretty much in the top five uh, for my age level all the way through the rest of my career, pretty much. I mean, still at such a young age to be doing so well. Uh, I already, you know, we talked about a little bit briefly. We touched on, uh, you know, you don't do anything just a little bit. So at, even at that young age, I feel like sometimes it takes people a lifetime to figure out how to, you know, channel all this energy into being the best at what they can do. And so at that age, was it something that you were aware of that you're like, I have this extreme focus and I'm going to channel this into doing well at this or, you know, were you aware of that? Um, I think my mom made it aware for me and to me because, you know, when you're, when you think about it at that age, I don't think you quite understand what you actually have going on. Mm. You know, it's more of just like, Oh shit, I'm really good at this. I, I ought to just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think that really was what it was. And I knew that I was good at it and I knew that I was being successful. And so everything I, I did, I just wanted to chase the gold medal. And the, uh, it, it was one of those things that was just completely out of the realm to not be successful mm. because I, you know, you'd think as a kid, like, oh, I don't want to disappoint my parents. But it, it, I think that's just like, not knowing as a kid that I don't want to disappoint myself because I know that I'm good at this, but it just seems like, like people always ask me, like, is your mom making you do this? Are you like, are your parents making you do this? No, I'm just good at it. I want to keep doing it because I'm good at it. And I can travel the world and hang out with my friends. And, and it's, it's nothing like I'm being forced. Like, Oh, you need to go to practice. Oh, you need to. And yeah, my parents are like, yeah, you need to go to practice. Even when I don't want to go, but that's because they know that I'm going to be pissed off if I'm not as successful as I could have been. And there was always something about, you know, a, a line my mom used to use was, there's three kids in Russia and China that are working twice as hard as you right now. And like you're sitting on your ass playing video games and I bet you they're like in a ballet class getting more flexible or in the weight room getting stronger or they're getting 50 more routines in. And so that was always kind of the the driving force was I just didn't want, I flat out just didn't want anybody to beat me. Yeah. It sounds like you were able to channel it well. I mean. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely became overbearing as I got older and the injuries started to come and I uh, had a lot of problems with my back and my knees. And it was just, I, I think I reached a point where I was like, I think I'm just done. Mm. I just, I just don't want to, I just don't want to do it anymore. And now I'm, I'm thankful that I stopped and my, you know, my back still hurts. Yeah. I still have, you know, lurking injuries every now and again. I'm like, really? Yeah. You're not flipping off stage or anything. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Every, every now and again, I'll get a little ballsy and, uh, I'll, I'll try to do a flip somewhere. And I, nine times out of 10, I'll usually still land it. Okay. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting to that, that point where it's like, I used to be able to just walk into a gym and kick my shoes off and like still almost do everything. Wow. But I don't, I don't think I've jumped on a, like an actual trampoline in five, six years now at this point. Mm, okay. I think it's been a while for me. Yeah. It was always something that I was hoping was going to lead 
all the way to the Olympics, just like everybody mm-hmm. who does any Olympic sport wants wants to do. Yeah. And when I retired and I'd finished my senior year, I got recruited by the U.S. ski team. And they're like, oh, you grew up in Tahoe and you can flip on a trampoline. Like, did you ski? Yeah, I skied. And they're like, well, do you want to, like, try aerial skiing and put, like, both those things together? It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. And so I went on some trips and watched it, like, halfway through my senior year and uh, made the decision that I was going to move out to Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York, right after graduation and and join the team. And I, I tried out and, and made the team and spent, like, four months, the whole, basically the whole summer until the end of September out in Lake Placid. And then I realized it just wasn't what I wanted to do with my life and moved back and started to work for a newspaper company because my dream before music was always I wanted to work for ESPN because I'm like a huge sports guy, man. I, I live, breathe, eat, sleep sports. And baseball was probably my favorite sport that I played growing up. Um, and so I'm a huge baseball fan. And so getting to be in a position where, yeah, I want to work for ESPN. I want to go be a sideline reporter for the Giants or, you know, whatever it was. And so I started working in a newspaper company and and getting that done and then just wasn't really staying in love with it. And I didn't like that I had to go through so much school to achieve that because I, I, I hate school. I hate it. I've always hated school. I like history and English. That's about it. But like math, science, no, no. You, you couldn't pay me to go sit through a math class because I never, I don't think I ever got higher than a C. And so when I just got done with college, I was like, I'm just done. I started to, uh, I started to, you know, screw around with music and I always loved writing songs, you know, since I was a, a little kid in my grandma's living room and on a guitar that I didn't know how to play. And I just sat there and strummed it you know animalistically and made up words and so I did something that I started to kind of chase around the age of 20 and 21 when I you know could start getting into bars and and restaurants and playing for who anybody who would listen and then we moved into a uh, a position where I was like you know what I think I think I want to do this like I, I want to chase this dream that's amazing yeah. how many lifetimes have you lived too many <laughs> I mean, it's cool, too, thinking, like, I want to get into music next. But it's funny, like, you take something like trampling, you take, you know, something like skiing, which, you know, tons of people jump on a trampoline, go skiing. Oh, yeah. But to, like, set yourself a bar higher and go, I'm going to take this thing that a lot of people do and then just be, you know, really, really good at it. You know, I talked to plenty of people on here who who do other things. I had a girl on here who does jump rope. How many kids jump rope? A ton. But she's, like, yeah. set herself apart. So I think it's so amazing when you... When you can take something like that where it doesn't just do it like exponentially better. <laughs> That's super neat. Yeah, I, man, I've been very lucky that, that God has blessed me with a lot of different abilities. But I think that this this one right here with the music is is why he put me on this earth mm. is to 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 reach out and to to connect with people on a on a level that I never knew imaginable and and reach people that may need a lyric that I'm singing or may need uh the smile that that we put on their face during a live show or you know we're helping people get through things i mean i don't know if you've ever watched the jelly roll documentary on hulu no not yet you ought to yeah um i was pretty unfamiliar with him i just you know knew him from watching you know vivo 
YouTube videos or mm -hmm. whoever music video was popping up next on my on my feed or you know seeing his name on the charts and, and seeing his name on tour schedules and stuff like that but I never really dug deep into into what he is about or what his life story was until that thing came out in May big documentary on Hulu and uh man the the respect that I have for that guy now is is massive you know he he comes from a you know, just a regular middle of nowhere class America family and and isn't never thought he was gonna really aspire to be much in and out of juvenile hall and, and stuff up and up until his, you know, pretty much recently, I guess, and, and in and out of jail as an adult. But man, he he has touched uh, a crowd that I don't think anybody else could have. Mm. And it's it, it's just really inspiring to see his story and how he's connecting people that have similar backgrounds to his and uh, bringing them to to country music and to music in general. So it's it that's that's something that I hope that I can do someday. And we've got a song out right now called First Call. That's uh, probably the closest thing that I've ever written or put out to uh, to to encouraging somebody to to reach out and and ask for help if they're struggling with mental health issues or mm. uh, if they're struggling with depression or alcohol abuse or anything really. Um, so that songs like that make me, make me think extra hard on, on what I'm supposed to be doing here. And that's kind of the bonus things because I love to play music. I love to entertain people. I love to hang out with my friends for 250 days locked in a tour bus. You know, it's, it's, it's a bonus that we get to do all that because I can sit here and, and try and reach people that, that may need something that I can provide them. And I have no idea what it is until that day. So it's, it's, it's a crazy kind of side of this industry that I had never even thought about before. That's so beautiful. And that actually leading into my question about, you know, getting started with music, and all that, uh, I too am a believer. And so I, I think that's so wonderful that you're able to connect with people and you know have like this underlying message that there's there's more to this world. There is. Uh, I think that's amazing. And so um, I wanna get into that. And so when you're first like starting, I gotta watch that documentary by the way. You have I'm to, super man, it's, it's intrigued, by awesome. The way. But when you're first playing, you said you're playing in bars and you know, you're, you're playing music for people. Like, was it something about the response that you're getting from folks that, you know, made you feel like it was, you know, calling you what really about your journey into music in your early 20s, like made you stick with it? Because, of course, you know, you're open for Josh Abbott tonight. You know, yeah. this isn't your first day playing. No. Yeah. We. I mean, I think at first it was more of just a, a something that I wanted to do. And because I enjoy I've been singing since I could talk. And, you know, I always grew up singing the national anthem at places and, you know, high school football games or and anything like that and just singing it to sing and you know my dad's like hey you know like girls like guys that can sing and so i was like well you know 16 year old i just when i really started like like singing and actually taking time to get better and try to be a good singer um even even if god blessed me with a a talent i'm always gonna do something where i can improve it and so, you know, playing in bars and stuff was kind of just more of, of me getting a, a feel for it and, and trying to, trying to hone in my craft and, and better myself. And we're still doing that to this day. 
I mean, getting better every single night in a show is is the goal. I want to play the best show of my life every single night. And if I don't, I'm pissed off. Hmm. And that's the competitor in me. And so getting into, you know, what kind of called me to do it was kind of later in the career, more recently, I would say it, you know, it just started out as, as this, this hobby and this passion that I had. But in the recent years, as we started to tour more and play shows and, um, and get in front of people that have never heard my name or seen my face before, listen to a single song of mine, for them to say, hey, I really, I really connected with this song. This song really made me tear up. Then that's when we started hearing stuff like that or, you know, this song helped me get through a breakup. This song helped me, you know, get out of this depression I was in and go out and drink beer with my friends again. Like that kind of thing is really what opened my eyes and, and, you know, sitting and, and talking to God about what what can I do for you is really what drove me to get to this point that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is like you have this great sense of empathy for people and, and also that other level of recognizing, you know, who created humans. And I think you got to feel that. I'm sure when you say you like you want to put on the best show for people, it's because, I mean, you see people and you and you know about our creator, for example, like how often are you, you know, able to talk with people about, you know, how they've been impacted by your music or or even share a little bit about your own story, you know, off the stage to, to talk folks too. Uh, it's, we usually have a couple of people almost every night that we can, you know, we'll get into a conversation with, especially when we're opening shows because during the headliner show and after the headliner show, I have plenty of time to just kind of enjoy it. Mm. Um, but man, we've, We've had a couple of instances where, and, and this kind of circles back to the point of I'm a fan first, right? Mm. Like I am a fan of music. Mm. I love listening to music that is not mine. I like listening to music outside of country music. I like listening to a lot of country music, but I like listening to some stuff that's outside of country music. I want to make people feel connected to my songs the way, you know, George Strait or Garth Brooks or Alan Jackson or Randy Travis or those guys make me feel connected to the songs that they sing because as a fan I have felt that and so as an artist and a songwriter I want people to feel that same way about my music Mm. and so for people to say that they do is just this massive full circle complete idea that I'm doing the right thing kind of I, I guess yeah you know just little signs here and there my first show that i ever played outside of like a three-hour radius from reno um was with randall king in Kearney, nebraska and i owe a lot to randall king he has become the big brother that i never had um he's believed in me when i didn't believe in myself and introduced me because of him, I have my my manager, Scott Gunner, at Durango Artist Management and my publishing deal in Nashville with BMG and Randall's company, Tonk On. And so that all stemmed from Twitter. I posted a cover of his song, Hey Cowgirl. He retweeted it, had an email the next day from Scott asking me to come meet with him in Nashville, and I did. And this was right in the middle of COVID. 
I was just doing anything I could to post videos online and get people to, sh to start listening to me if they had, if they hadn't yet, or keep people around that were already listening and paying attention. So, um, they tried to put us on a bunch of shows and the shows just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back because of COVID regulations. The day before we were supposed to leave, we played the Reno rodeo kickoff concert with Kip Moore and Travis Denning. We were one of three. And the next morning we flew out to Denver where my dad had already left two days before with a truck and trailer full of our gear and picked us up in Denver. We went to Kearney, Nebraska to Joe's honky tonk to play with Randall King. And about three quarters of the way through the show, his tour manager, John, came up to me and he said, hey, do you know all the words to uh, uh, Friends in Low Places? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course I do. He goes, okay, Randall might pull you up here in just a little bit and let you sing it with him. And I was like, sick. So I was, you know, sitting there, you instantly start running through every word of the song that you know and like, okay, do, am I missing any? Do I need to look it up on my phone? Like, what do I do? And I was a big Randall King fan to begin with. So, you know, now being put, as an opener on one of his shows, it was like, oh, shit, okay, here we go. And about 10 minutes later, Randall runs to the side of the stage and he goes, hey, do you know Neon Moon? And I was like, yeah. yeah. The first, that's for, I mean, that's the first song I ever knew all the words to. I, you know, I sang with my dad growing up. And he goes, okay, let's go. So he brings me up and we sing Neon Moon with my dad in the crowd because he had drove all of our stuff out. And that was, that was one of those things that was like, okay, you are where you need to be. Wow. Like God is saying you are doing the right thing. I know it sucks. I know it's hard, but you are where I want you. And so that was, that was one of those signs from above that, that I was really thinking of it. I mean, out of every, every song on the planet, why neon moon? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> there was a reason. Yeah. And you know, getting to know Randall now over the last three years almost, it's been, um, you know, we share a lot of a lot of the same ideas, and um, he he's been he lived what I'm living through right this second, you know, not too long ago. So anytime I'm, you know, struggling and and having a tough time, and I don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, he he's always there to to kind of pick me back up and say, Hey, no, it's just, just for a second, just, you can embrace the suck for a second and then you'll be rewarded for it. Trust mm -hmm. me. And so then, you know, it'll be a, a, a tough couple of weeks and then all of a sudden some exciting news will happen and then mm -hmm. tough couple of weeks and then more exciting news. And it's, it, it, where we are in our, in my career right now is just this never ending cycle of, of embrace the suck. Good news, embrace the suck. Good news. So it's, it's cool to, to, to be able to kind of follow in his footsteps. And every single time I'm feeling down, I get a sign from mm -hmm. above that yeah. is like, you were, you are where you need to be right now. I'm so excited. People are going to hear that it's message crazy. for people who know it or, you know, people who don't know, that's just amazing. I think too, it's more than just, uh, you know, doing the right thing and then like getting reward. Like you said, there's ups and downs and it's not like, you do this and God will give you this. It's like staying faithful and trusting in his plan, even when you don't know how it's going to play out because time and time again, the downs come with those ups. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I mean, was it uh, COVID or what is, what are some of the like main challenges that you've like had to like lean on God for um, throughout your country music career so far that you could, I think, 
um, I guess, impart to others that, you know, this is an example where I didn't know how it was going to pan out and it did. Uh, yeah, COVID was definitely a big one. You know, you'd, I played my first show in like my first real show in July of 2019 with Jason Boland. And, uh, I put together a band in like two weeks and it was absolutely brutal to look back and watch these videos again. Uh, cause it was rough, but you know, we played probably five more, four more shows, if that, before the shutdown. And it's like, well, I just started this new career. Like I, like I just left my job to do this. Did I really just start chasing this dream all for there never to be a concert again? Like what? Why? Terrifying. I left yeah. college to do this, you know? And so leaning on him during that time was tough. And I kept getting screwed over by uh, the unemployment or COVID relief or whatever it was in the state of Nevada. And they still owe me like 37 grand. And so getting through, you know, COVID on uh, my music was, they, you know, they said, okay, if you're a musician, you need to go to this department. You can't go to the regular, you know, unemployment. And so I'd go to that and they'd send me back and forth for like eight months. And so I didn't have income for like eight months. You know, I was like mowing lawns and doing DoorDash and Lyft and whatever I could to just try and pay my freaking rent. And then more recently, it's kind of been uh, like right now we're dealing with some some tough. Uh, I wouldn't say like tough circumstances it's just we're sitting so close and we've been very lucky to to have everything that we've had so quickly um but it's frustrating to you know get into a position where you're like okay i'm like i can feel it i can feel it i can i can reach out and i can almost grab it and then you're still so far away mm. from making it sure. and like we have all these these things it's like okay we just need you know like five sponsors if we have like five like big sponsors like everything's gonna be great and then we'd have it set up and then everything would fall through mm-hmm. and so then we get into a position where you know I've, I've still gotta i've still gotta pay the guys i've still gotta like i don't take a check from shows i i don't because essentially i'm running a small business so if i'm taking money to pay myself i'm taking it away from my business mm-hmm. so everything that we make it at, at shows and stuff just goes to bills and, and payroll and I'm, I'm able to 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 scrape by all my songwriting stuff and you know getting to a position where i can afford to pay all of these guys to do nothing but play music is the ultimate goal and then myself because you know they when you when you look at an act you know it might be my name on the bill it might be my name on the ticket it might be my name on your boards here in the podcast room but without guys like t-max sitting over here and and all of my band like this doesn't happen and i think that people really lose sight of that and they just think that you know these artists are just raking in money and, you know, I've got like, like high school buddies that I haven't seen in forever. And they're like, oh, dude, like you're, you're so successful. Like, I'm sure you're just, you know, making a, a, a ton of money. Uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. And 
it's it's one of those things it's like i know where my supply comes from i know it doesn't come from somebody's bank i know that it comes from above and my mom has to remind me of that sometimes and um but i know that as long as i'm taking care of them i will be taken care of as well and you know not to say that we don't have you know days where money's tight and uh, we're not sure if we're going to have enough fuel to get to the next place but you know it it's a catch-22 with every just like with everything and starting a small business we could be in a van like this which we did for two years you know but being out west we're spending more getting to the show than we would be just buying a bus and living on it so i bought my bus in june and we had a we had a bus before which we're still trying to sell so if anybody's looking for a 1983 mci tour bus that's in really good shape holler at your boy we'll do a bus cast next yeah, yeah. bus cast <laughs> and so this new bus is you know it's got a shower and, and a bathroom and everything and it's making our lives easier because now we're not paying for hotels you know when you're running when you're running as often as we are i think dude my hotel bill was through the roof every week because if we're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday in just Wyoming, for example, that's three days to drive out there. Two days to drive out there if we're pushing it. I mean, that's we'd stop in Salt Lake, right? Stop in wherever else, maybe Laramie. And then if we're going anywhere past Wyoming, that's the third day. So just that. That's fuel for a day, hotels for everybody. Fuel for a day, hotels for everybody. And we haven't even gotten to the show yet. And food and all. And food and all that kind of stuff. So being where we're at, we still should be in a van, mm. you know, theoretically. Mm. And But being being in the bus is, is actually cheaper for us to do, which is crazy to think about. Mm. And um, we, we tried the whole sleep in the van and everybody split one room and whatever we could to cut back on, on money. And it, you know, then you run into problems of everybody's tired and, the show sucks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we've been very fortunate to have um, the sponsors that we do have um, that help out, you know, however they can. Cause we don't, I mean, we don't have any massive, massive sponsorships. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to have AT&T provide us a, a, a Wi Fi hotspot every year for free. So, you know, in return that I, you know, do stuff for them as well. And, you know, it's nothing one-sided. I, I don't like the word sponsorship because I want to start partnerships. Mm. I want people that I can grow with. And my boot company, same thing. You know, they're, they're just starting out. They make a lot of really, really, really nice products. Skyver Boots out of Fallon, Nevada. And they, uh, you know, they don't have hundreds and millions of dollars to just throw at us and help us out because they're in the same fledgling stages that we are so you know i'd hook them up and put their logo on the bus and and do all this stuff for them and try and play for as cheap as i can afford to at their booth at the nfr every year in vegas and you know just try and help these companies so it's it's more of i think there's a lot more that goes into this than than most everybody knows and that's for that's I, I, it, it's eye opening because mm-hmm. I would have never expected it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, I'm sure it could be, you know, if, if people are listening to this thinking, wow, that's scary, you know, go on, you know, 
tight income or, you know, doing this and that to get to the shows to, you know, like you said, you're, you're not like making millions out here or anything yet, yet, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, I think again, it goes back to, it's gotta be from your, you know, your up, your solid upbringing, your, your, your trying hard from a young age, your faith too, like that has to, to account for a lot. I think it does. Um, I think it also has a lot to do with, um, creating a, a good core group around you. Mm. My mom always said that I needed it and my dad that I needed to surround myself with like-minded people. And that's the reason that my mom put me in these, you know, higher age and level divisions when I was doing trampoline so that I always had something to chase. And so now it's kind of the same thing. Like we're hanging with the big dogs in the music industry and it get it, it, I'm never comfortable there's always something more and because i think if, if you get comfortable you settle and you're unsuccessful hmm. you should never be comfortable yeah in in some aspects yeah so, for sure yeah you get content and you just stop trying and yeah yeah it's always good to surrounding keep... people surrounding yourself with people that buy in mm-hmm. i mean i have i've had coaches that have been like if you don't buy into the program we are not going to be successful so it's you know it's the same thing with with having a core group of guys on the bus and in the crew that that, that want to be there and have similar goals and want to help you succeed because then they succeed. Mm-hmm. I know we don't have a ton of time because we still got a show tonight, which we I'm do. pumped for. I can't wait for it, man. Open it's going to be a blast. Josh Abbott Band, that's got to be awesome. Can you tell us uh, quick before you go, or not quick, however you want to answer, but um, what it's been like to take Loving and Leaving, your EP, on the road for the last year? It was, it was sick. Uh, that was the first project that I had ever put out. And... The kind of how we got around to to getting the songs for it was something like I had never experienced. I mean, my my manager Scott and I sat down and listened to like two hundred songs in a room, a hotel room in Reno, in November of twenty one, and I picked my favorite. He picked his favorite, and then we sent our favorites to uh, Trent Willman, who was producing that EP. Uh, he also produces Kojo and, and some other really awesome artists. Um, and he picked his favorites and we kind of voted on them. And then we decided that we were going to pick two that I'd written and two that I hadn't. And so Rolling Stone, and actually, sorry, we were only going to do three. We were going to cut three songs and put out three songs. And then two weeks before we were set to go in the studio, I wrote Bulletproof um, with Brett Shiroki and Drew Peebles at a Seagale in Nashville. That was my first ever session, like in Nashville, in a publishing house, like with other songwriters, and I, it was completely a mind blowing experience. And so to walk out of that with a song like Bulletproof was really neat. And Scott's like, "All right, yep, yeah, we're cutting that one." So and that's one of my favorite. Two songs. weeks later, me too, man. Still to of, this day, of anybody. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that a lot. And so being able to take it on the road, and and you know, I we're happy to play for. 20 people so when we can get into a room where there's 200 to 300 people that know every word to every song on that record it's like just this completely new experience that i'm still trying to get used to and you know i sometimes i lay awake at night i'm like why why would anybody why is anybody listening to my music like they do like it it's weird to think about that you know people now think of me the way I thought of my favorite artists and, and trying to, trying to, uh, 
be appreciative of the success while remaining humbled is a key. But for people to like, I, it's, it's trippy. It's trippy to think that, that people are wanting to listen to my songs like they do. And I'm so grateful for it because I don't know why. I, I really don't know why I'm, I'm having, I have a hard time with accepting, uh, praise and accepting, you know, these, these things, but that's just because I always think I can get better. Mm. But I have to say that, that touring this new EP, Reno, is probably a little bit more fun. Yeah. I think so. All right. That one came out August 4th, um, but we've been playing the songs for uh, almost a year now, uh, most of them. Um, I think I can appreciate it more this time around. That's why I like it more. Mm. Um, and I also feel more confident as an artist at this point. Okay. And, you know, playing the songs from that Loving and Leaving record is 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 neat and i love playing those songs every night but these newer songs i think i i just fell in love uh i fell in love with them just a little bit more and i was able to uh kind of hone it in before rather than like getting the mixes back from the first one with loving and leaving and then just start playing those versions immediately like we played these songs for a longer time, so I became more comfortable with them earlier on. And then when we got the mixes for these ones and the band learned the the studio versions, it was like, okay, like these are the songs now. But we had already played, you know, comfortable enough to put on a, a show. Because if you were to watch a video for me from like four years ago, I, I stood there like did not move, like okay. a statue the whole time. And so learning how to entertain mm. has been... Uh, a lot of fun it's a whole nother crap it's it's a whole nother thing so yeah. getting comfortable with the songs and playing the songs well then you can move on to the entertainment side and, and so it's been really fun to to kind of learn about that and and i think i don't know i think there's just the the songs as a songwriter you appreciate your songs improving and you appreciate um you know writing songs with with more substance than you ever thought you could have um songs like first call um, but it's man, just touring in general is just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a blast. So touring the, the loving and leaving record and then touring this Reno EP that's brand new is, is just, I mean, a treat. And especially on nights like tonight, two, four song EPs, like we're going to play my discography yeah. every night. I'm like pumped for that. nobody is ever going to come to a show. Rarely you're going to come to a show where you're not going to hear a song that I had, that I put out. Like, unless we're playing like a 30 minute power through set like we did with tracy lawrence um a couple weeks or about a month ago now it's like most of the time when we get 45 minutes to an hour to open the show you are going to hear every single song that that i've put out so I'm pumped cool it's cool yeah it's cool and then we get to throw some new ones in there and then some of my favorite covers cool i'm excited for that similarly to me being a filmmaker too it's fun to see yourself just grow mm -hmm. and say okay i can look back four years ago and say I, this is what I was doing then, and here's where I am now. And then also using that as a guide to go, who knows where I'll be in another four years. That's a, And that's the crazy thing with, like, stream counting. Mm. So I'm really bad about, like, I'm not successful enough to chart watch, but, like, I've, I've known people that, that chart watch when they have a song charting. Mm, like, yeah. they'll check the chart, like, religiously. And I'm really bad about doing that with stream counts. 
Because I'm like, okay, where is this song comparing to the last one? Or where is this EP comparing to the first one as far as streams in X amount of time? And so then I'm constantly like beating myself up because I'm like, oh, this song's not beating it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just sitting back and, and being thankful that any streams are happening. Sure. And um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to be better about that. But I, I think that that touring is the most fun that I could ever have ever. Seems like a lot of fun. Oh, playing shows in a different city, you know, almost every night is just this this whole new experience. And for people that, you know, like I said earlier, have never heard heard my music, never heard my name, seen my face, nothing, to be able to to have them come up to me at the end of the night and say, "Hey, we had never heard of you up until this point. Like we are huge fans now." It's just this. It, it's it's the most rewarding um, kind of instant gratification, and it's it that's what keeps you going into the next day. And, you know, I think the number one misconception when it comes to being like an artist is like, oh, it's all just, you know, parties and women and whatever. (laughs) And I don't think, I don't know about other people's camps, but as far as my camp goes, I can say that's like definitely not who we are. I mean, the only partying we do is like when the bus is rolling to the next venue at like 2.30 in the morning, like we'll just drink some whiskey and watch old George Strait videos or old Randy Travis videos from like 1985, and that's Fun. that's how we get down, man. <laughs> that that's is how we get down. We don't we don't partake in anything too crazy. That's the best time right there. I like oh. that. <laughs> and you know, it's it's all a learning experience. Yeah. You know, what can we take from the guys that have done it before us? Mm-hmm. What can we take from these videos that 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 we're watching? Like, yeah. Oh, this arrangement's cool. Maybe it'll give us an idea. It's like watching game film from not your game if yeah. that makes sense mm-hmm. and so it's cool like we we like to watch and hear show videos because we know what we can improve on and if we hear something that's like oh well what if we tried this but like the similarities between sports and and being a tour musician are way too similar yeah <laughs> it's freaky so i gotta answer one of your questions and then ask you one last question all right because you said you know you asked you know i don't know why people resonate with my music so much and it's got i'm going to tell you from my personal experience of of listening to your music and and now talking to you on the vancast is you have this level of like authenticity about you you're not you. singing about things you don't know you know it's it's all from your heart and i think also you have um like your faith i think that is such a st- strong grounding that when people who don't even know that about somebody can often tell because they have the, a kindness about them. It's just a different way that they come off, right? Thank you. So I think it's this authentic sound and and then just your solid persona. And so um, th- I wanted to answer that question. Well, thank uh, you. I appreciate that a lot, man. Of course, absolutely. And then also then going into my last question, when people ask you, I know we've talked about it in so many different ways already, but when people are saying, you know, how do I even get started. I, you know, I like playing guitar, but how do I, you know, decide I'm going to pursue this? What's the first piece of advice, I guess, that you could tell them that maybe, you know, someone told you when you were just getting going? Don't listen to anybody that says no, because you can get a thousand no's and one yes, and that's still one yes. Mm -hmm. But practice every day and, and get, get as good as you can until you don't need somebody else, they need you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's always, this is always such a hard question to answer in my opinion because, you know, everybody's career is different. Um, everybody takes a different path to the same treasure chest. It's, it's this, I don't think anybody has ever had the same 
path to success when it comes to music. Um, obviously, there's things that you can do to make sure that you're giving yourself the most ample opportunities for success, but never, never settle. Never become content with your playing or your singing or your writing and always strive to improve and take risks. That's a great word. I would say, yeah, absolutely. When things don't seem like they're panning out, keep going because they going. might pan out tomorrow. Oh, you hear, I mean, you hear stories all the time. My favorite story uh, is Lainey Wilson talking about how she called her sister and, and she said she was done playing music or done chasing the music dream and she was moving back to Louisiana. And then I, I can't remember what the time frame was, but shortly after, like things a man ought to know just blew up. Yeah. Wow. And you just never know. You just never know. You never know. There's so many of like, like I, I almost gave up. But then the next day something happened or the next week something happened. And that's, you know, how many times I've sat there and been like, I'm done. I'm done. Several times. I won't, I won't lie to anybody. I've, I've thought about throwing in the towel. And then I remember there's a greater purpose to this isn't, this isn't necessarily about me. Mm -hmm. And it, it allows me to keep going. And the other thing too, is that it's clear that you actually care about this thing. It's I do. not that you're doing something that you think will make you a lot of money. So I'm going to chase it. You know, anybody, you could be a doctor or you could chase that too. Cause that makes money, but it's something you care about. I do. And also I just got to go back again. Cause you're talking about like your team. It's not just, I'm the guy. It's like, you really know, you know, where you come from. And there's a whole team that's helping Absolutely. everybody do this. And yeah. I think that's so cool. I'm Thanks, so fortunate man. to have had it's you a, on here and talk to you about all it's this. It's been a blast, man. Anytime, yeah. anytime we're down here, love to do it again. Awesome. Yeah, Jake Jacobson, I appreciate it and I can't wait to see what's up next. Awesome, man. Thank you.